I just want to tell you about a woman who flagged the bus stop to, that stopped to pick her up at the bus stop. She got on the bus and right off barked her shin on the middle structure of the seat, starting a small trickle of blood down, blood down her leg. And in a loud voice she exclaimed, Just look what the devil made me do. I've heard that so many times. Poor devil, he gets the blame because she is clumsy and didn't pay attention to where she was going. And that is how it is so many times in the lives of those who profess to be Christians. They blame the devil for all their sins they commit, for their bad attitude, for their lust, their lies, anything else that happens to mar their Christian lives and testimony. The truth is that the devil has little to do with our transgressions. Did you hear me? I said the devil has little to do with our transgressions. The verses below explain it all so very clearly. Sister Jean is putting up on the board James 1, 13-16. Let no man say that he is tempted, uh, when he is tempted, that I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. <clears throat> then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. Do not err, my brother. All right? Now, I did not say that God will not permit you to be tested and proved, but God does not tempt you. There is a difference there that you must understand, okay? Okay, and then we go to another scripture, and also in the book of James, chapter 4, and verse 1 through 2. From whence come wars and fightings among you? Come they not hence even of your lusts that war in your members? Ye lust and have not, ye kill and desire to have and cannot obtain. Ye fight and war, ye have not because you ask not. And so from these scriptures we're able to understand that the basic problem that all of us face is not the devil, it is our own flesh. Yeah. And I have mentioned many times as I have stood in this pulpit and taught you that we must pray specifically. And sometimes your specific prayer must be against the things that you feel inside of you, the lust uh, and the desire to do what is wrong. And you pray against that. Amen. Amen. You see, God is not going to do everything for us. Amen. Praise God. And I have again written, and of course as I sit at my computer, I feel this anointing of the Holy Ghost. And I wrote, the salvation of any person depends so much more on that person than what we want to recognize. You mean I'm responsible for my salvation? Absolutely. More than you may recognize. Okay? God calls a person to a new life. But the person must obey that call and go to God with a humble, yielded spirit and attitude. You cannot come into the presence of God arrogant. You've got to humble yourself under the mighty hand of God. And when you humble yourself and you confess your sin and you repent of your evil works, then God will hear you and answer you and he will give you forgiveness. Now I know that we cannot forgive our own sins. But we can repent. 
Repentance brings forgiveness. Confession brings a total purging of sin from our lives. We can't do that, but we've got to make the first step. And when you read your Bible, and I didn't say if, because I hope it is when you read your Bible, you will understand in all places that the the path toward God begins with your step toward God. Amen? Amen? God may draw you by His Spirit, but you've got to take those steps toward God. Amen? And as you do, God will meet you and supply your needs. Amen? Amen. If I'm doing more preaching than teaching, you forgive me, but I'm just kind of steamed up about this today. All right? Because I see too many people just kind of... Lollygagging to their Christian experience. Oh God, here I am. Take care of me. All right? That's not the way it works. All right? It's not the way it works. We've got to be proactive. And I just want to say by clarification to those who were in the Wednesday night Bible study, and by the way, we had a good Bible study and a good time of prayer after service Wednesday night. Amen. And if you're not coming, you're shame on you. All right? <laughs> For not being here. Because uh, if at all possible, you need to be here to absorb all of God's Word. Now, some of you may think, that, oh, Brother Walmer is just kind of putting his trailer behind Brother Camarena's car, uh, teaching basically what he taught Wednesday night. Not true. The notes for this Bible study have been laying on my desk for at least a month or more. Matter of fact, I even had uh, Mark down there to teach this last Sunday, the 8th of September, and then I just felt directed of God in another direction and went that way. And uh, so this is the study for today. All right. No, we cannot forgive our own sin, but we can repent. We cannot baptize ourselves, but we can and should request baptism when we have thoroughly repented of our sin. I do not believe, and I have never practiced going to people and saying, you need to be baptized. I will preach baptism from the pulpit. I will teach baptism from the pulpit in a general sense to the whole congregation. But God's Spirit has got to move on people's hearts and lives to the place where they feel their necessity of being baptized for the remission of sins. Please understand, and I'm not teaching on baptism today, but the the baptism is for the remission of sin. It's not just to make you a member of this church or a member of this local congregation. It is for a specific purpose in the process of salvation in your life. Now, I try to stand in this pulpit and make every one of my words count, all right? Not just give a bunch of fluff up here. But I want you to understand today, and perhaps at a later date, we will teach you a little bit more on the essentiality of water baptism and what its work is in our lives. But I will teach it, and I will preach it, and... And I tried to make it a point to never uh, conclude any message without some mention of water baptism, the essentiality of water baptism. Amen? Amen. Brother Paul, maybe a spare tire is not essential to you driving your car. It's good to have one. 
But a motor is essential, and a transmission is essential, and tires are essential. And we've got to understand the difference between what can just be convenient and what is essential. Let me tell you this morning on the authority of God's Word that water baptism in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ is essential. It is a part of our salvation experience. Amen. Praise God. And once we have been baptized, the scriptures teach us very clearly that we rise to walk in newness of life. After water baptism, we should never be the same person that went down into that watery grave of baptism. If we are still the same person, if we still do the same thing, if we still conduct ourselves in the same manner, then we just went down a dry Christian and came up, uh, went down a dry sinner and came up a wet one. All right? All right. We cannot baptize ourselves, but we can request. We cannot baptize ourselves with the Holy Ghost, but we can seek to and surrender our lives to God until he deems us ready to be filled with the Spirit. All right? Let us understand clearly, very clearly, that God's Spirit is poured into the empty vessel of your soul, of your heart, of your innermost being. That's where God pours His Holy Spirit. And God is the one who looks into that vessel and determines whether or not it is really ready to be filled with His Spirit. There cannot be residue of sin and degradation and lust and all of these other things there because God does not pour His Holy Spirit into unholy, impure vessels. Boy, that got quiet. I hope you understand that. All right? God's Spirit is poured into clean vessels. You remember my... What was it last Sunday or the Sunday before? I had the illustration up here with the glasses and and uh, the dirt in the glass and the water. And I don't know if I wanted to drink that water for whatever reason. You know, maybe it was because the cat manure in there or whatever. You know, but anyway, <laughs> anyway, they didn't want to drink that. And neither is God going to pour His holy. Right. Will you say with me, holy? Holy. Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit into an impure container. Hallelujah. And if we are going to be filled with God's Spirit, we are going to have to be uh, holy and stand pure and totally forgiven in the presence of God. And He is the one that is going to determine whether or not we are ready. Well, God, why don't you fill me with your Holy Spirit? Maybe you need to do what we're going to talk about this morning and examine yourself out in the light of God's Holy Spirit to see if you are really a vessel that is ready to be filled with the Holy Ghost, all right? Now, uh, I guess maybe we can give you the title of this message today, and the title is, The Devil Made Me Do It. The Devil Made Me Do It, all right? Maybe Sister Gina can type that out and put it up there on the screen later on, all right? The Devil Made Me Do It, okay? Now, I I want to reemphasize again right now quickly that we are responsible for ourselves. There is something that we, there are many things that we must do to present ourselves to God in a way that is, 
uh, pleasing to him. Okay? We, we, we've got to prepare ourselves to come into God's presence in a way that is pleasing to him. All right. Now I'm going way back into the Old Testament in the book of Numbers chapter 31 and verse 19 and verse 20. Even way back in the beginning of God's dealing with Israel, he gave the people charges concerning their responsibility to present themselves to God as he demanded. And he said in verse 19, purify who? Yourselves. Yourselves. Say, I've got to purify myself. Uh, you didn't say that with much conviction. <laughs> Maybe you're wondering where I'm going with all of this. But there are things that you must do in your life. You have got to separate yourself from the world. You have got to separate yourself from worldly lusts and worldly desire. You've got to separate yourself from these things. <clears throat> You can come to our home any time of the day or the night. You will never hear worldly, ungodly music being played in our home. Amen. It's just not a part of our uh, Christian, can I say, philosophy, all right? Uh, it just doesn't happen. You can turn the radio on in my car, and uh, it will be an accident if some station comes up that's playing ungodly music, all right? It just is not going to happen. We right. don't go there with yeah. that. All right? Amen. <clears throat> Walk into my... Uh, somebody wrote something the other day, and I thought, wow, man, this is powerful. They said, if Jesus knocked on your door, and you took a little look out through the... Uh, what do you call that thing, that little eye on the door? Yeah. And you saw it with Jesus, and you're running, and you're going, and you're getting magazines off the coffee table and putting some stuff away and hiding it because you wouldn't want Jesus to come in and see those things. If that's the way it is, <clears throat> you're wrong. I'm sorry, you're wrong. You're wrong. I go through the supermarket checkout stand. I don't, I'm not tempted to buy those seedy-looking magazines that they have for sale there. I have no interest in all those actresses and actors and all of those people that live like a bunch of alley cats. Sorry, I'm, I, I'm blunt. I, I mean, it, it's just the way I'm going to say it, all right? Yeah. All right? Just sleeping around and cussing and swearing and, and believing everything that is wrong in God's eyes. I don't need to read about them. I don't care who's married to who and who's getting divorced from who. It is not of any interest to me, all right? I'm interested in those things that God is interested in. I'm... Well, Brother Cameron, you asked me to preach this this morning. I guess I'm doing it anyway. <laughs> All right. Praise God. Praise God. All right. Let's move on. So God said, purify yourselves. In verse 20, in the same chapter, he uses the term, purify your raiment. So it's not just a purifying of your mind, of your heart, of your soul, but you're going to purify your whole being. Amen. You purify yourself with what you're dressed with. Yeah. Praise God. Praise God. Yeah. And, and, and I hesitate to go any further with that today, but uh, it is important how we present ourselves to God. Everything about us must be pleasing to God when we approach Him, desiring an audience with Him. 
desiring his acceptance of our worship and praise and the answers to our prayers. God has always demanded these things from his people. Yes, amen. Praise God. Amen. We do not purify ourselves, our raiment, or any other thing about us through some ritualistic practice, but by the simple act of sincere, heartfelt repentance. And I'm going to repeat that. Repentance must be sincere and heartfelt. God easily detects hypocrisy and detests it and will not be fooled by it. He is totally capable of knowing what the real attitude of our heart is. Observe carefully the following passage from John chapter 2 and verse 25. And he needed not that any should testify of man, for he knew what was in man. He didn't need somebody to come up and say, Oh, that man's a sinner, Jesus. Uh, That woman's an adulterer. Uh, That man's a liar or, or whatever. He didn't need that. He knew. He knew. Why did he know? Because God is omniscient. Amen? That means that he knows all things. As Christians, we must recognize that God's kingdom is not a socialistic empire where he does everything for his subjects, nor does he provide everything for them. Doesn't Matthew 6.33 admonish all to seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness? Huh? You ever read that? Huh? Seek! 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 Say seek. Alright? Seek. Alright? I lost my quarter. You think so? Yeah, I know so. So I'm going to seek for it. I'm going to look under all the, all the rungs of chairs. I'm going to seek for my quarter. I'm going to try and find it. Hallelujah. We've got to seek after God. We've got to try to find God. Hallelujah. I remember when I was a kid, we were raised very poor. We had one light bulb in my bedroom. It didn't have a wall switch. It had this chain to hang down from the, from the ceiling, okay? And uh, in the dark of a long winter night, uh, it was dark in there. There's no moon. There was no street lights on the street. And we'd walk in there. <laughs> Where's that string at? Ah, there it is. Yeah! That's how we've got to seek after God. God, where are you? Where are you in the darkness of this world? I'm trying to find you, God. Hallelujah, hallelujah. And we pray and we seek God and we read his word and all of a sudden, yeah, I got it, yeah. And the light comes on in our life. Right, come on. Praise God. Seek first. First. Say first with me. First. 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 Thank you. That was good. Do it again. First. Oh, no, we got it all together. First. That was kind of neat first time. First, 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 first. Yeah. That's the way it's done. We seek God first. Praise God. All right. Now, Peter, toward the conclusion of his message to the Jews on the day of Pentecost, offered these profound words. 
And with many other words. How do you interpret that with many other words? Now this is verse 40 to 41. All right. Paul, he had already given us Acts 2.38. He had already told that it was necessary for them to repent. What else, Nathan? How? Huh? No. How? Water. In the name of Jesus Christ. For the reason who said, hey, we're going to get this. We're going to get this. I stay here long enough. We're going to get this. And then we will be filled with the Holy Ghost. All right? But after those instructions that are so vitally important, the scriptures tell us in verse number 40, all right, and with many other words, his message, Paul, did not end with Acts 2.38. And with many other words, beyond what he had already instructed them in verse 38, did he testify and exhort saying, Boy, Sister Jean, I wish you could, I wish you could highlight that, those first two words there. Save yourselves. Would you say that with me? Save yourselves. Save yourselves. Save yourselves. From this untoward generation. How were they to save themselves from that untoward generation? How? Tell me, quickly. How? How, Paul? Yeah. What you say, Sister Yeah. I have nothing to do with the world. I have nothing to do with the world. Yeah. Yeah. Save yourself. By repenting. Yeah. By being baptized. By being filled with the Holy Ghost. Yeah. I don't forget that guy. I, I, I can see that and it's been 50 years ago. I preached invitation to the altar. People come and, and seek after God to be filled with the Holy Ghost. Where there's one man I said, have you received the Holy Ghost yet? He said, well, I had a visit. <laughs> I had a visit. Well, I want more than a visit. Yeah. Right. I want more than a visit. When the people that I love, when my family comes to stay with me, I really want more than a visit. I wish they would just kind of come and live, you know, yes. and be there all the time because I love them. I enjoy them. And when we talk about God, I don't want to just have a visit from Him every once right. in a while, but I want God to live in my innermost yes. being. I want to be able to feel His presence every day, all day, every hour of every day. Hallelujah. And so with many other words, with many other words, did he testify and exhort saying, save yourselves from this untoward. What does that word mean? That word means crooked, perverse, wicked, and unjust generation. Then they that gladly received the word were baptized in the same day there were added unto them about 3,000 souls. Now I want to point out one part here. Uh... Uh, said, then they that gladly received his word. That's so important, Sister Monica, that we can sit in a congregation and we can hear the teaching of God's word and the preaching of God's word. And we need to gladly receive it. Right. 
Do we understand that? Gladly receive it. Don't sit there on your chair with a shovel. What do you mean? Well, that's what some people do. They sit on the pew, sit on the chair with a shovel. And when the preaching comes out, they say, that's not for me. <laughs> that's for somebody else back there. And they just all the time shoveling it off to somebody else. Let us receive. Let me receive. Yes. May we all receive gladly. Amen. Not unhappily. Right. Not resentfully. But receive gladly the word of God. And say, God, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the correction that I received today through your word. I thank you for the orientation that you gave me today through your word. Gladly receive the word. Amen. And the result of that was that nearly 3,000 people were added that day to the kingdom of God. Amen? Amen. Praise God. Praise God. Note carefully the words of the Apostle Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 11 and verse 28. Now as we're getting down to the very heart of our Bible study this morning. And it says, examine yourselves whether ye be in the faith. Prove your own self. Know ye not your... I'm sorry. Wrong verse. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. This is about the preparation that we need to do before we participate in the Lord's Supper. Amen? Amen. Whether that is once a year, once a month, or once a week, it doesn't make any difference. The Bible gives us no instructions about that. But whenever it is that we participate in the Lord's Supper, We must prepare ourselves and not partake of it unworthily. And so Paul said, let a man examine himself. I I don't know, those two words have just uh, resonated in my soul for years. Examine yourself, examine yourself, examine yourself, examine yourself, examine yourself. And so we come to our place of prayer. And we fall on our knees in the presence of God. And we invite His presence. And we invite the light of His Spirit to shine on us. And to shine into the innermost recesses of our heart. And to show us what's wrong with us. Amen. That we can repent of any sin. Confess anything to God that is wrong so that we can be forgiven. Paul was very emphatic about this message. And so he repeats it again in 2 Corinthians 13 and 5. And he said, examine yourself. Whether you be in the faith. Are you really in the faith? Examine yourself to see if you're really in the faith. Amen. Prove your own self. Know ye not your own self. How that Jesus Christ is in you. Except you be reprobates. All right. So somehow or the other, as we come into God's presence and we invite His Holy Spirit to minister to us, we are examining our own selves. Amen. Amen. In the book of Second Corinthians, again, chapter seven and verse uh, one, Paul gives this admonishment to those that want to inherit the promises of God. Having therefore these promises, dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. Cleanse ourselves. I'll never forget going to uh, a lady's home with a a fellow minister in Boston. 
And he had already been there on other occasions, and she had gotten rid of a lot of stuff out of her house that belonged to her previous religious life, a life of spiritism and devil worship. And she had filled two large garbage cans with all kinds of stuff. Some of it was very beautiful, lamps and all of that, but all of it had been dedicated to her prior life of demon worship. And she invited us to go to her home again. And she began to follow us around from room to room and taking out other things that God revealed to her that were connected with her former life. And she filled another garbage can full of stuff that she had paid good money for. Amen. Uh, And so we want to emphasize this part. Dearly beloved, let us cleanse ourselves. Cleanse our own hearts, cleanse our own mind, and cleanse, yes, our homes, cleanse, yes, our cars, everything, every environment that we have control over. We cleanse it, hallelujah, and we make it pure and holy and acceptable to God. Now, whether Jesus rings the doorbell in your house and comes in in a physical presence or not uh, is immaterial because his spirit is always there. He knows the life that you live. He knows the reading material that you have. Amen? Amen. Praise God. All right. Let's go to James 1.8. This man of God refers to a double-minded person. What exactly does that mean? Following the, the, following is a verse in the Amplified New Testament, and I guess you don't have that, uh, Sister Gina. For being as he is, a man of two minds. Man of two minds, double-minded, all right? Does that make sense? Does that make sense? Double-minded, two minds? Huh? Oh, when you're in church, oh my. Oh my, you are so holy and so pure and so righteous. And, and all you can think about is God and His Word and all that. But what about tomorrow morning when you go on the job? Huh? That you're going to be in a different environment. Are you going to think differently there? Are you going to allow your thinking to be uh, subjugated to the thinking of your colleagues around you? your schoolmates around you, of the language around you, or are you going to maintain your same purity and holiness uh, and your same single-mindedness uh, uh, regarding the things of God? All right? Now, here's what it goes on to say about this double-minded man. All right? Uh, to my hesitating, dubious, irresolute. What does irresolute mean, Nathan? Huh? Huh? I have no idea. Huh? No? Irresolute. Well, you know, I, I really don't know if I ought to do this or if I need to do that. That's a good way to put it, Sister Dean, or Sister Dee. You just can't make up your mind. You are pressured by somebody on one side and pressured by somebody else on the other side, and, and your Christian life is it, just like a drunk. I mean, you're just kind of staggering down through life. But when you've got a hold of God, and you are a resolute person, and you're no longer a double-minded person, you stand straight and tall, and you walk, 
and you march boldly forward, hallelujah, with God, knowing that you're on the right road. You're not indecisive. You're not irresolute. But you know what you believe, and you are believing it, and you're not altering your belief for anybody or anything. And it goes on to say he is unstable, he is unreliable, and uncertain about everything he thinks, feels, or decides. Wow, I thought that was just absolutely powerful. They told me of a church that the church had been a, a, a great church. It had a very, a very large attendance. And all of a sudden, I don't know what happened to the preacher, but he just went totally bonkers. And he just decided that, well... I'm not going to preach anymore that women cutting their hair is wrong. Let them do whatever they want to do. And he told the whole church that. They told me that beginning on Monday morning of that week after that Sunday service, there was such a run on all of the beauty salons in the town that they couldn't take care of all the people. All the women that wanted to get their hair cut and dyed and curled and all that stuff. You know what that told me? That told me that these people had no personal convictions. They were not resolute. They were irresolute. They were unstable. And they only did those things because that's what the preacher demanded of them. I want to tell you one thing. My wife and I left this country, left the churches that we pastored, went a long ways away from all of our friends and colleagues in the ministry and went alone, alone into an environment where we were not dependent on someone else keeping us on the straight and narrow, but where we were the ones that were going to help others to stay on the straight and narrow. Hallelujah. Now that's how every one of us needs to be. That we are not influenced But we are the influencers. Hallelujah. We do not allow others to influence us. But we influence others. Amen. Praise God. Oh my. Oh my. my, my, my. All right. All right. The next three words that I want to give you come to us from the book of Ephesians. And uh, three words that I just want to pay emphasis is put away. Say those with me. Put away. It does not say God take away. It says you put away. The devil didn't make you buy that CD magazine. Let's check out counter. Or cause you to do anything else. That was your decision. Yeah. All right? So anyway, let me read this quickly through this. And Sister Gina, try to keep up with me, okay? Wherefore, put it away. Lying. Speak every man truth with his neighbor. For we are members one of another. Be ye angry and sin not. Let not your... In other words, you can be angry. Some things can really get you uptight, serenity. All right? But don't go smacking somebody around. All right? Be angry. Bite your tongue. Don't say the wrong things. 
keep control, all right, and sin not. Let not the sun go down on your wrath, neither give place to the devil. Let him that stole steal no more, but rather let him labor, working with his hands, the thing which is good. In other words, get a job. Right. You know, if you never remember me for anything else after I'm long gone, say, boy, he just spelled it out to us in simplicity, all right? Don't get mad at me, please. That he may give to him that needeth. Don't only work for yourself to buy the things that you need for yourself, but... <coughs> Excuse me. Give me some water, Brother Danny, please. Uh, but we need to work and earn our living and even have something to give to those that are in need. Yeah. That's the will of God. Yeah. All right. Thank you. All right. All right. Brother Pastor, would you keep reading for me? Let no corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers. And grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby ye are sealed unto the day of redemption. Let all bitterness and, and wrath and anger, go ahead, read with me, and, and clamor and, and evil speaking be put, put away from you with all malice. And be ye kind one to another, tender hearted. Forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Thank you, Pastor. Amen. All right? That's the will of God. I hope no one here has anything against anybody else, but if you do, let me tell you that God's command to you is to forgive. Amen? That's right. That's right. Praise God. Amen. But ye bread, but ye beloved. Building up yourselves. And again, there's that, yourselves. Build up yourselves. Build up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. Jude 20, all right? All right. Now, I want us to suppose very quickly this morning. I'm going to take just a few more minutes. I want us to suppose this morning that we're going to build a shed, all right? I built a shed in my backyard. I got my, some of my tools stored in my shed. And uh, I built a nice shed. I built a very sturdy shed. All right. So, Noah, you're going to build a shed. What do you need in materials? Wood. What kind of wood? Go for wood. <laughs> oh, you're going to need supply. Thanks, Sister Didi. What other kind of wood are you going to need? What other kind of wood are you going to need? Thank you, Danny. Two by fours. All right. Huh? Well, I'm giving you a little example this morning. All right. You're going to need. You're going to need some two by fours, because if you don't have two by fours and a structure, you're not going to have anything to nail the plywood to, Sister Dee Dee. All right. You're going to have to have some shingles, and Noah said it right. You're going to have to have some nails to hold all that together. You're going to have to have some 16-penny nails and probably some 7-penny nails. And you're going to have to have some, 
some roofing nails to put the roofing on. There's all kinds of different materials that you're going to have to have to build your shed. Amen? Praise God. Now, what are we interested in doing in our lives? We are going to build ourselves up. We are going to build a truly spiritual life and existence. We are going to become a spiritual building. What do we need for material for this building project? Just a little bit. off quiet back this morning. What do we need is spiritual building material to build up a holy house pleasing to God. Prayer. Prayer. Thank you. We're going to need prayer. What else are we going to need? We're going to need God's word. Hallelujah. We're going to need... Were you going to say, Sister D? Oh. I It's rambling on all right. We need the Holy Ghost. Yeah. Raul. Huh? We need a foundation, yes. That foundation is prayer. That foundation is the Word of God. That foundation is the sound teaching that we receive in this local congregation. Hallelujah. And there's so many other things. We need a real dedication to God. Amen. It cannot be, well, I'm here today and tomorrow I'm someplace else. Uh, I have this thinking today and tomorrow I'm going to have a different thinking. We've got to have the right building materials. <clears throat> uh, I don't know where in the world I got away from, so I got over something here that I had written. But let me tell you something. We've got a lot of discussion going on in the political world in our country. And we've got a bunch of people that want to establish a socialist society in our nation. I want to tell you from my personal experience of 42 years living in a socialist country that we do not want socialism in our country. And let me tell you that God's kingdom is not a socialist kingdom, all right? God's not going to give you everything free. All right? Maybe you all will remember that we are the product of the decisions we make. It is our own nature that we must dominate. We can't just blame the devil for everything bad in our lives and think that this is going to be an excuse for not being what we need to be and what God wants us to be. Our prayer daily should be, God, make me what you want me to be. God, make me pleasing to you. Amen? Hallelujah. Bring your flesh and its carnal nature under the control of the Spirit. The scriptures teach, and this is my last verse, walk in the spirit and ye shall not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Oh God, help us. Help us, Lord. Let's stand together. Thank God one time more time today for his word. I hope that somehow I have ministered something of great value to you. Amen. And I hope that you never say, the devil made me do it. <laughs> devil didn't make you do anything. You did something wrong, you did it because you made that decision to do that. Amen? God in heaven, help us to understand those things that are responsibility in our Christian life. What we need to do, what we should be doing on a daily basis. Help us understand, Lord, that we make the decisions to do right or wrong. We make the decisions to be pleasing to you or not. 
So God, I'm asking you again this morning to move on our hearts by the power of thy Holy Spirit and cause us to understand what we have heard this morning and help us to live for you every day of our lives in a way that is pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. God bless you. May God bless you. Yes, all right, let's greet one another. Good to see all of you. Praise God.